Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, here we go in the heart of Broad Ripple today on this Bud Light Blue Friday. Thank you so much for joining us because we've got tickets to give away. I shall explain coming up in just a minute. But if you're watching via YouTube Live, you can see where we are. Average Joe's in Broad Ripple. You can see behind me, we're both inside and then outside right here as well. This is spectacular. What a great day to be here in the window that opens up to Broad Ripple right here. And look for you, too, because we've got tickets to give away for the game coming up on Sunday. In fact, Olivia told me we have not one, not two, not three, but four pair. That's going to get you into the building to see the Jaguars and Colts coming up on Sunday. And all you got to do is come out and sign up. We've got other stuff to give away as well, but that's really all you have to do. Come out, sign up, and maybe you will end up winning and going to that game, which is of mammoth proportions coming up on Sunday without a doubt. I don't even know where to begin. We will begin coming up in just a second. But I don't even know where to begin. I said this with Tony Katz this morning. I went on with him. We do normally a Friday morning preview. And he had asked me the expectations. Well, the expectations are different than my thoughts on how this team is going to handle it. Because they haven't managed that very well to this point. And the expectations, as I've talked about, clearly ride on the offensive line. And you can say what you want. You know, about the defense and the defense having to play better and turning, you know, opportunities into takeaways, which they just haven't had any this year whatsoever, other than basically, you know, Stefan Gilmore and that playmaking ability we saw over a week ago on Thursday night in Denver. Those have not been here like they were with Shaquille Leonard a year ago. There is no doubt you want the defense to step up big. You want the defense to put Trevor Lawrence in a position that um, he is not accustomed to being in, and that's shaking him up a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, as I mentioned, th this team goes nowhere. This team does nothing without further help from the offensive line. Honestly, either these guys get better, these guys play better, or you got no chance. You just have no chance. And we expect Jonathan Taylor to be back coming up on Sunday. The only players that were ruled out earlier today by Colts head coach Frank Reich was Shaquille Leonard with the concussion and the broken nose. He had surgery on that broken nose. How about that? Guy came back for what? A half a play almost, and... Gets caught up in friendly fire from teammate Zaire Franklin. And not only is still dealing with a concussion, but that broken nose on what was as vicious a blow as you're going to see. 
So literally, been back for about five minutes, and that's it. Now, granted, in his stead, Zaire Franklin has played well. Bobby Okereke, they have played well. The defense at times looks like that it's getting better. I don't know about consistently getting better. But, you know, I mentioned that playmaking ability in the secondary with Gilmore. You saw guys finally up front get off the mark and get after the quarterback, whether it was DeForest Buckner or Yannick Ngakwe. But everything is going to hinge on just the level of effectiveness. And you know what's funny? We're kind of getting in a place right now. We were talking yesterday about this, about the whole lowering the bar thing. If you guys heard Mike Chappell and I talk about this yesterday uh, in the 5 o'clock hour of the show, the whole lowering of the bar. And that's kind of where it is right now. Like your level of expectations of what you thought this team was going to be compared to what you thought this team should be or where they should be. It just seems like every week you end up saying, well, you know what? They lost, but, well, it was a division game, but, well, they tied, but, well, you know, Denver play is a win, but at some point that's going to stop. And it's got to stop coming up on Sunday. You got back-to-back games, revenge games within your own division. Because this is going to be, these next three are hinge-worthy here. These next three are hinge-worthy to see where this team can end up. And I know I have to hear it all day long about how nobody's going to run away and hide within the division. But think about it for a moment. Think about you've tied, you've lost, and you've lost. And now you have the opportunity in the next two weeks to get a little bit of payback and to really, within the own division, jump back into it. Yeah, I'm sure that these teams aren't going to run away. The problem is that one team is younger and more talented right now, and we're going to see that coming up on Sunday, and the other team is just stratospherically tougher than you are. And no matter what they have, no matter what they're going through, no matter what the issue might be, whatever the case, Mike Vrabel and company just seem to get over within this division. It's kind of like what we used to witness with the Colts in this division it's different from the sense of the Colts would just be dominant. You would just expect going into a division game that they were going to win. And now that's flipped to the point where you look at Tennessee, for example, coming in here, check that going down there, but next up on the plate for the Colts the week after this Sunday, you look at that and you go, at some point they're just going to out-tough you. At some point they're going to find a way. Somebody's going to make a play. They may not have A.J. Brown out there as they didn't in week three, but other guys are going to step up and make plays. Maybe Derrick Henry's not what he used to be, but somebody else is going to make plays. We saw that, did we not, a couple of Sundays ago. Yeah, they didn't have Harold Landry. How'd that work out? No Taylor Lewan. How'd that work out? They're just tougher. They're tougher. They're more grind-worthy. And until this team shows anywhere in the neighborhood of that, this is probably what we're looking at. And we continue to lower that bar of, and at some point you're going to run out of time of doing it. So you better look at the watch. And if you have any, any whatsoever attempt at getting right, and, you know, whether it's communication or whatever these other excuses are, if you have any attempt at getting right, it needs to start coming up on Sunday. With Jacksonville. I mean, goodness sake. I told this to Tony Cass this morning. I just, from a player standpoint, I said this in week number two when they went down there. From a player standpoint, knowing what this team has put you through. At some point, if you don't get over on this team, it's almost like, do you really care? 
I mean, I'm assuming that they care. I'm assuming they care a great deal, but you got to get over on these guys. Look at what they've put you through. Look at the situations in which they've made you a laughingstock, and then normally after that, somebody always comes up with this excuse as to why, you know, a year ago it was a quarterback, two years it was the quarterback getting acclimated. Um, there's always something going along. Well, the end of the year last year, you know, you talked about you know, Shaquille Leonard was not liking football. and I mean, listen, not a lot of people were liking the final two weeks of the season watching that team play football. You got to put all that aside. You got to look in the mirror and you go, all right, is this who we really are? Is this us? Is this how we play? Is this how just vastly overrated this team is on the offensive line? Is that who we are? People were asking me earlier in the day, all right, so how do you see the breakdown of what they're going to do on the offensive line? Well, we know that Bernard Ryman is going to get the start, the rookie at left tackle. You know that Quentin Nelson is going to get the start. He's going to be a left guard. We know that Ryan Kelly is back, and we know earlier this week that when asked about the possibility of maybe if Danny Pinter's playing better, making a substitution at center, Frank Reich in his retort said, hey, we have not even had that conversation. So pencil in Ryan Kelly, starter at center. Uh, who's going to start at right guard? To me, if you're not going to go back to Danny Pinter, and I don't know if they're going to go back to Danny Pinter, and you're not going to back, go back to Will Fries, which I doubt they're going to go back to Will Fries, to me it's going to end up being Matthew Pryor. And I know what you're saying. Hey, listen, you started at the left tackle. It was a mess. He started at right tackle last game. It was an absolute disaster. But this is more like where he plays at least. Like when everybody jokes about me and that kind of constant thing with moving Nelson to left tackle, I'm telling you, that still makes more sense than doing what you did with Pryor at left tackle and then doing what you did with Pryor at right tackle, none of which has worked. And really, it suffered so bad that we got people saying, hey, you know, what about Eric Fisher? Is Eric Fisher still available? Everybody's kind of looking glowingly at Eric Fisher and his level of play a year ago when that wasn't any good either. Run blocking, yes. Pass protection, no. It was a turnstile. That's again, that's again, that's lowering the bar. Well, you know, that was bad, but it was better than this sort of bad. And as I've always mentioned, it's just not supposed to look that way. It's not supposed to be that way. And that's where you are. I wish, I wish that I could count on for you some inspiration coming out of the tunnel during introductions and come out there and just disposing of a team that you owe so much to right now? You know, think about all that crap these guys had to put up with in the offseason from clowns like me and other clowns, clowns across the landscape here locally, clowns clowning on the clownery. And that's what happened with the Colts. They got clowned, absolutely clowned. There was laughing. There was giggling. There was celebrating going on in a meaningless game for the team that was cleaning your clock. Thought it was going to be different in week number two. As it turned out, it was not at all different. It was certainly the same. And now you're counting on that coming up here in week number six. You count on that because you have to. I know all signs point to, all right, this offense hadn't played very well. Look how they won in Denver on field goals, four of them from Chase McLaughlin. I know how the offensive line looked. We've documented that about as well as we possibly can. 
Running game, however, got going a little bit. So I would expect if Jonathan Taylor is back, if you can play off of that just a little bit with Jonathan Taylor, you know, I guess you can look at it two different ways. I forget who I brought this up to a little bit earlier this week when, you know, they cited the offensive line in more holes and a better running attack that we saw against Denver. But I also countered with, well, I don't know how Denver, were they not as focused in on that position, not as concerned about that position because 28 wasn't out there. I think you can use that as decent logic. So we've asked. Uh, in some points, the fans have pleaded, and the Colts get another opportunity. Get another opportunity to show folks around here what they really are compared to what we have seen so far this year. Got another opportunity, and it's a big one coming up on Sunday, and we shall discuss. As I mentioned, Quiddy Pay, Shaquille Leonard ruled out for the game on Sunday. Things are looking good for Jonathan Taylor. I saw today where the red jersey was taken off of Naheem Hines. I don't know if, and I'll have to ask, I, I guess, a little bit later on, uh, conversationally, if he's going to end up playing. It, it seems like that that would be pretty, uh, pretty fast-paced, but he got the red jersey off. So if nothing else for Naheem Hines, who took a lick going back to Thursday night, that is a good sign moving forward for him. So we'll discuss all that and more for the Colts and the expectations coming up on Sunday with you. And I will leave time for you on this Friday afternoon at 239-1070. The email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. You can join me that way. You can do it inside the lounge via YouTube Live, or you can check out behind me, see both the inside and the outside of Average Joe's and Broad Ripple. Our guy Rob Sabatini is going to join us coming up a little bit later on. I'm hoping I'm hoping, and I don't know if that means he's going to get on camera or not, but our executive producer, our good friend Todd Meyer, actually cut his teeth in this particular industry right here. And I'm hoping that Todd Meyer shows up. He said earlier in the week he may show up. So we're going to dangle that carrot with Sabatini a little bit later on and uh, see if uh, Todd Meyer shows up to have an ice-cold Bud Light with us on this Bud Light Blue Friday. In fact, we do have four pair of tickets to the game coming up on Sunday. So we'll dive into that and a lot more with you at 239-1070 coming up in just a bit. I know going back to last night as well, um, it's funny. Everybody, now the Thursday night thing is just a constant complaint. Thursday night thing is a constant complaint, and it's everybody in social media trying to come up with the great joke. Trying to come up with that next joke, that next best thing. I saw Jennifer sent me that meme, that meme, I believe that goes back to um, Grown Ups, the film from 2010 with Adam Sandler, when uh, Rob Snyder had the two really hot-looking daughters and then the, the other not-so-hot-looking daughter, and, like, one was Sunday Night Football, the other was Monday Night Football, and then the, uh, the third, the not-so, was the Thursday night. So I, I've seen it all, and I know everybody's trying to reach out and grab those jokes and everything else. Um, it, it's kind of, though, is it not? I, I guess it's more magnified because it's on Amazon, and you guys are all paying for this now, but it's kind of... Thursday night football, isn't it? I guess I would have to ask you what to expect. There's a reason why I had Die Hard loaded up and ready to rock last night, and I tried to tell Kirk Herbstreit the same thing. You know, halfway through that game, 
Finally, we got a score right before the half, and it was 3 nothing at the half. I tried to say, listen, if you guys want to switch over, Die Hard's on stars right now. And it's, you know, right at that part where Ellis thinks he has a really good plan because uh, he has a fountain pen. He doesn't have a gun. He's got a fountain pen. And, and uh, yeah, Ellis, Ellis didn't end well for Ellis, right? So I said, there's the moment now where you have, if you want to, right before the half, you can switch over, get a little bit of you know, enthusiasm from this great 1988 release, Die Hard, and then move on. But no, nah, I mean, everybody else is going for the big joke. Um, and, and the big joke's kind of on everybody else because that's just kind of what Thursday night has been for the most part, right? I think the early portion of this season, maybe the first couple of weeks, Thursday night came out of the gate, and you're thinking, wow, this is going to be really fun, man. Amazon, and we're streaming new generation stuff here. I'm paying for this, or I'm getting a free sample of this, or whatever. This is going to be great. Look how much money that they're spending on this right now. What's his name? Jeff Bezos or whatever? Oh, man, it's putting a lot of cash into this. But it now has slowly gone back into what Thursday night football has become. All right, everybody loves football. I mean, we do our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. You love football, right? Because you like picking. You like betting. Some actually bet. Some don't. Some just pick. Some follow along, whatever. But you just kind of get used to Thursday night as a springboard. And you know what? In the past, you just kind of look at it and you go, if it's a good game, then we're fortunate. Most of the time, it isn't. Most of the time, it's a battle of two teams that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things right now in the NFL. So everybody's kind of freaking out over this. I, I don't, did somebody get promised greatness because it was Amazon, because you're paying for it now, because this is actual, this is pay-per-view. I mean, for me, it's pay-per-view. For me, it's like trying to navigate and like get it downloaded and being able to do it. And then I have to under all these, what, pixelation or whatever the hell that is. I don't know anything about that. I just want to be able to go, boom, there it is. There's the football that I watch. I hit this button and there it is. So it is different, but it seems like the product is pretty much as the product has always been on Thursday. So that normally sends you searching. Last night, you probably went searching for Baylor and West Virginia on Fox Sports 1. Who was it? Temple and what? Central Florida, I think, that was on ESPN last night or whatever. I know it was kind of a struggle. I don't know how many of you actually will switch over and watch Major League Baseball, even if it's the Major League Baseball postseason. But obviously, that rain out of the Yankees game last night, which game two, by the way, is being played right now. Uh, last check, it was tied 2-2 with uh, the Guardians and the Yankees from Yankee Stadium. I don't know how many actually switch over to baseball of any sort from football, but that's normally been the protocol on a Thursday night, especially this time of year. And really, you've, you've got some options. You normally do have options, and the reasons why those options are created, right, it's because the game on Thursday is not very good. So everybody seems to be kind of surprised by that. Like the Monday night games seem to be a lot better. We used to complain about the Monday night games, and I guess the fact remains that if you're outside of the NBA season and there's no baseball playoffs on a Monday night, like, for example, you go back to Monday night's game and that thing was standalone. That was it. That was the only thing that was on sports-wise at that time. Was it other than, I mean, maybe you had a local team that was playing in an NBA preseason game or whatever. 
But it just seems to me like Thursday night football is pretty much similar to what Thursday night football has been since Thursday night football became a thing and will continue to be a thing. The Bears and the Commanders last night. Uh, Wentz, what's up, buddy? Wentz reminds me greatly uh, last night of the week three Wentz we saw for the Colts a year ago in Tennessee. Remember when the Colts didn't adequately prepare for that possibility? After a week prior, he got twisted up like a pretzel by Aaron Donald, and then he had to roll out there and could barely move. He was basically staked into the ground down in Tennessee, couldn't move whatsoever, and what was just an incredibly winnable game. You look back at a lot of these. You look back at some of these. You go, man, those incredibly winnable game opportunity right there. My man's hat is blowing right down the street. That was a good call right there. <laughs> I mean, it came right off his head. It blew right down the street, everybody. Somebody get it. Um, anyway, that's kind of where we are, I guess, with Thursday night, kind of where we are with Monday night, and certainly where we are with the Colts going into what is a crucial week six matchup within the AFC South, and that's Jacksonville coming to town. Can you imagine if you're Jacksonville? I bet they're feeling good. Remember how confident the Colts used to feel? Remember those days, those days of Manning, those days of Dungey, those days of Holian when that's how you felt? That's how Jacksonville feels right now, I'm sure. When you go back to last November, Jacksonville, that was tough to put them away here, and that's often forgotten about. I think that that was a strip sack, was it not? As Jacksonville approached midfield with under two minutes to go, they were driving in that game, I believe. And I think it was near midfield, and I think it was a combination of DeForest Buckner and Dio Adengbo that got a strip sack of Trevor Lawrence that finally put that game away. But that thing was in doubt until late as well. So it's not like you go back and go, hey, well, look what happened. That was great last November because it really wasn't great last November until they finally put them away. That has been an issue. But we'll start with this coming up on Sunday. Again, if the offensive line does not improve, and I mean improve from where they are right now, according to PFF, the absolute bottom of the NFL, and I mean improve greatly, this team is going to have basically no chance. That improvement starts coming up on Sunday. It better. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. We're live in Broad Ripple. Average Joe's Bud Light Blue Friday. You can see us right in the window. I would love to see you here. We've got tickets to give away coming up a little bit later on, courtesy of our friends from Zinc and Bud Lights. We've got four pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away coming up a little bit later on. Love to see you here. It's a glorious October afternoon here in Broad Ripple, and I'm right here in the window. I'm giving you a little bit of both via YouTube Live in the lounge. I'm giving you the outside, and I'm giving you the inside. And we're giving you a whole lot of handsome behind me right here, if you've noticed, a whole lot of handsome and Cam, who is the engineer. Olivia is going to get people signed up. i got to thank Alex from just down the street. Um, do you have to climb the fence to get your place down there? Okay. <laughs> no, you drive up, and I, this is further down, right? And there's a huge hole in the road where they're fixing stuff right here. But that's right in front of Alex and Brian. That is the shop in Broad Ripple right here. And Alex has brought it. I'll talk with him a little bit later on this. If you guys are watching via YouTube Live, here it is. You know what's up, brother? You know what? I want to be rocking. I'm, no, I'm, listen. I want to be comfortable. That's why it's an extra large tag on it right there. Come on. 
That's all you guys are seeing. Yeah, I see you're raising up the shirt. It's extra large. Don't you need a 2X? No, I don't need a 2X. Come on. It's JMV Takeover shirts that are available at theshopindy.com. All you have to do is click on that and then search on the search bar JMV Takeover, and you can get that. And not only will you look incredibly sharp with this, but you'll also throw some cash, some highly needed cash and assistance to our friend Margaret and the great folks at Teacher's Treasures. This benefits Teacher's Treasures right here. So you can stop by their location. You can certainly order it again. Put in that order online, theshopindy.com. Alex, thank you very much for that. I want to get some ice-cold Bud Light out here. My man Rob Sabatini is going to join me a little bit later on. Yeah, next door at The Rock, I think, after 7, I may have to do an early bird, like MCL early bird special. I may have to go over there 1 and 2, work it out just a little bit when I get off here at 7. That will please me a great deal going into the weekend. But, yeah, join us. This is a Friday party. This is how we want to end your work week here in Broad Ripple at Average Joe's on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Big high school football evening. You've got a mammoth game. Down at CG tonight, right? Cathedral and Center Grove. That is going to be a big one, to say the least. Bob Lovell brought to you by CarX, CarX.com, 14 Central Indiana locations of CarX to serve you today. They bring you Bob Lovell each and every Friday right here. Not only that game, but the rest of what is a huge high school football schedule coming up later on tonight. Bob Lovell joins us. I think Wells is going to be here. Hagen is going to be here as well. We got Don Fisher coming up. And keep in mind, I get to bail at 5.30 because I've got the uh, Colts happy hour thing for an hour. And we've got the Pacers and the Rockets in that fourth and final preseason game coming up later on tonight. That thing tips, I believe, Kyle, right at 7, correct? 7? Yep, 7 o'clock. It tips at 7. 6.30 is the pregame show. Thus, at 5.30, I have got to get the heck out of Dodge as far as this show is concerned and then get you to Colts Happy Hour leading up to 6.30. I'll still be here. We'll still be giving away stuff, but I want to give you a heads up. So if you want to jump on board at 239-1070, time is of the essence. Man, that wind is a little brutal out there right now, huh? Guys, hats falling off, stuff falling over. It's kind of like walking into the RCA Dome back in the day. Yeah, if you had a piece on top of your head, man, and that thing wasn't glued down tight, it was going to fly off like a bird. Going to hit somebody behind you in the face back in the day. Quick break, and we'll come back. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you can participate as well. The app is working fantastically. The stream, you got HD radio. Olivia, I just love the what the sound makes right there. This is great. <laughs> The stream, the app, HD radio at 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. You, me, Bob Lovell next. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Oh, I'm super proud of you today for tuning in. I cannot wait to see you come out here. Bud Light Blue Friday, Average Joe's, the house that Rob Sabatini has put together right here. It's where we are in Broad Ripple. I got four pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. Plenty of Jaguars Colts conversation for you. And you can see it right over here. The ice cold Bud Lights waiting right here on you. By the way, too, Rob told me they've got mini burgers. And I think it says on this sign that's blown over a couple of different times right here before me, $2 mini burgers. 
I'm all about mini burgers. I don't know about him, but I am all about mini burgers. And they come on mini buns. I love mini burgers on mini buns. Like many, many burgers here. $2. Come check that out. Join us here with our good friends from Bud Light and Zinc on a blue Friday in Broad Ripple at Average Joe's. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline each and every Friday, brought to you by our friends Joe Childers and the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations to find the one nearest you, CarX.com today. Indiana Sports Talk host and more, Bob Lovell is with us. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, John. I'm great. How are you? Let's just get deeply into what is a mammoth game <laughs> with Cathedral and Center Grove later on tonight. Holy crap. I can't even imagine. That's at CG, right? How many people are going to try to squeeze in to that <laughs> mammoth facility later on tonight, Bob? Uh, uh, thousands, I think, is the easy, the easy answer. Uh, and as you well know, uh, if you haven't already left to get to that game, <laughs> you need to do it right now because – that's how many people are going to be there. It's going to be huge. Uh, Brownsburg and Hamilton Southeastern. How about this? You know, week number nine, you have these two games. Brownsburg number one, HSC number yeah. four, Center Grove number two, Cathedral number three. So you, you got the top four teams in 6A playing amongst one another today. That's incredible. No, I mean, I mean you're right about that, too, because – it's almost like you could not have set that up schedule maker wise no, any no. better, especially for you tonight to get a chance to talk about the before <laughs> and after with everybody. That's going to be spectacular. Well, I think it is, and it's one of the you know cool things about being able to do the show is that sometimes you get that that perfect storm, so to speak, and you get great games like that. And um, Ben Davis North Central, if Ben Davis wins, they win the Mick. So. You know, there's so much going on tonight, John, around the state. Not just central Indiana, but all over the state. Uh, another great game, Ron Colley is at East Central. East Central is number three in 4A. Ron Colley, yep. number two. So you're talking about top-ranked teams all over the board tonight playing one another. Well, and Ron Colley got tip, uh, tripped up by Cincinnati Elder last week. Right. Right. And, and this, I mean, this is one, I mean, you can forget about, put that thing in the rear view with Elder, but this is an East Central team that more than likely you could end up seeing here once you get into the one-and-done atmosphere in a couple of weeks. They're a team very capable of playing for a championship in 4A. There, there's no question. And, uh, again, I think it just addresses how much balance you have around the state and why, if you're not getting ready to go to a game, you're making a big mistake because this is going to be a huge night of high school football around our state. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. I do want to double back to Center Grove and Cathedral, if you will. I mean, Cathedral has one loss on their schedule. I think that was earlier this year uh, in Brownsburg. I think uh, CG's lost once. That was to Louisville Trinity early in the season. There's a lot of talent on that football field down in CG coming up later on tonight. How do you size up the matchup, Bob? I think it's uh, really a toss-up, John. I think, you know, we, Center Grove clearly has uh, has dominated uh, in these last two and three years in 6A. Cathedral with Danny O'Neill, their quarterback, can put up points in a hurry. Uh, I think both teams are solid defensively. They have playmakers on both sides. I just think it's one of those – this is a champion – to be honest, this is a state championship-level game. I mean, let's let's be truthful about it. And these are two teams that are capable of playing for a championship. And so 
uh, you want a kind of a, uh, a preview of what the tournament might be about, I, I just think it's one of those games where, like most championship-type games, you can't make mistakes. Uh, these are teams that are prone not to make mistakes, and I just think that big plays are, are a key in this type of game. And so, uh, could, you, know, you know, Senator Groves' offense is – Capable, very capable of running clock. They're both strong, as I mentioned, defensively. Not sure that there's an edge for either team, to be honest. To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I, I want to talk about three teams, in fact, if you don't mind, and then you can size up the matchups as well. Um, Whiteland's a one-loss team. I mean, Mooresville came into this season with a lot of hype. They're a two-loss team. And then also size up Franklin. I mean, all in that general vicinity. And, you know, everything could be crashing together relatively soon for these three teams. Well, I think it, I think it already is, to be honest, John. I think one of the things, you know, in an overview type of sense is that it addresses how good the Mid-State Conference really is. I mean, I, I grew up in it, played in it. Um, this is a year where they've had one of the best years uh, in, in quite a while. Uh, as you mentioned, you're talking about teams that are that are all ranked. Uh, you know, Mooresville number seven, uh, Martinsville number ten. Plainfield has been ranked. Franklin is ranked, I think, eighth in five A. Whiteland has had just had a phenomenal year to this point. To be honest, at one point ranked number one uh, in five A, and so. Um, you know, they're, you know, Franklin's playing Decatur Central tonight. Uh, you know how good that's going to be. And so these are teams, uh, quite frankly, uh, they're, they're, they're different in, in certain ways. I mean, it's a Wyland team that's been really, really solid defensively all year long. Greenwood uh, is uh, not playing uh, at the level that these other teams I mentioned are, but they're still very, very capable. And so, you know, Whiteland uh, wins the uh, championship with Mooresville uh, winning last week. They guaranteed Whiteland a ch- uh, the uh, share of the uh, Mid-State Conference turn- uh, championship. And so, uh, again, these are these are all teams capable of making deep runs in their respective classes in the tournament. So uh, it's a big, big night, a great night for the conference. You know, it's, it's funny, too, um, that that conference has just become – consistently more talented and a lot of folks would always point to well you know look at the teams you know that that jumped out of you know a former conference and got into it but this is really about those that have been in this conference uh for a long time that are historically speaking are from that conference that's where football wise the bar has been raised and that's that to me is really impressive because i mean you're kind of stirring the echoes in whiteland with the seven and one season mm-hmm. uh, obviously great moments really across the board bob since they have that new school in franklin now you raise those expectations and those expectations win loss wise again across the board in sports are being met in franklin and then you know you, you look at what's been going on in mooresville in a lot of sports as well just a great deal of success with those that have been in that conference for a while Oh, I couldn't agree more, John. I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's great to see a conference like that that has the history it has uh, have this resurgence, so to speak. You know, you know, I, I, everyone knows I've lived in Franklin since I went to college and, and never left. And uh, Chris Call has done a fantastic job uh, with the Cubs. Uh, they're legit. He's a tremendous coach. He's already won a championship at Tri-West. And so everyone knows his pedigree. And, and I think in large part, as a former coach, I, I look at this as a coach's league where 
you know, Mike Gillen is a surefire Hall of Famer at, at Mooresville, uh, and, and uh, he has had success everywhere he's been, at Indian Creek, at Decatur, now at Mooresville. Uh, and you look at, at the job um, it, that's been done at, at Whiteland. Uh, it's just amazing what these coaches have been able to do. Darren Fisher has just done a fantastic job. And you just go down the list, and you're talking about resurrecting programs. I think you start yeah. with the guys who are making those decisions, and they've really legitimately turned this into one of the best conferences in the state. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talks got you covered later on tonight. Of course, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, CarX.com for that location nearest you. Anything else we haven't discussed you're going to bring up on the big show, Bob, later on tonight? Tournament starts next week, John. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy talk. Just, just so you know, uh, this wraps up the regular season. So, you know, Paul Condry and I were able to, to get through the pairing show and get everybody ready to go. And so, you know, uh, once you finish tonight, now you're obviously looking forward to next Friday night for round one. Incredible. Wasn't just like last week when we said, wow, here, <laughs> the high school football season starting. Here we go. Well, which means not far away is basketball. So, yeah, it's all going fast. No, oh, don't. You're, you're trying to catch me with a little bit of hoop right here. <laughs> I can't. I, I love the football aspect of it, no right. doubt. But, man, I'm, I am itching to see some hoop, both uh, collegiately and at the, uh, at the high school level. Hey, by the way, I got to give a shout-out because I know that you're of the uh, Franklin, Indiana, and Franklin College, and my girl, Jesse Johnson, taking over the women's program down at Franklin College, Bob. How about Very that? Very exciting move. I think everybody's uh, clearly – you know, optimistic, uh, unbelievably excited about that. And so, um, you know, uh, we're having a lot of success here in, in Franklin and, and in Johnson County. John's fun time to be here, quite frankly, sports-wise. And uh, also because I just – I whip her dad's ass all the time in basketball, <laughs> too, all the time. Well, uh, that goes without saying, John. Whomever you competed against, I'm sure you – they caught the bad end of it. All right, buddy. Hey, have a great tonight, tomorrow night on the air on Indiana Sports Talk. And uh, we'll catch you again next week when the one and done is officially underway, Bob. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, the high school football preview. Final weekend. Check that. Final Friday night, if you will. I guess you could say weekend as well because I know some teams of the state play on Saturday. But the uh, final week of high school football's regular season, it gets underway one-and-done style uh, for not all, but many coming up next Friday night. But, man, that big one down in CG, I can't imagine. I'm going to have to get some pictures of the crowd there because that's going to be packed, right? Cathedral on Center Grove tonight. I know that a lot of, a lot of people that I know at uh, Cathedral have been sitting on that thing for a long time. There's no doubt about it. But a battle of one-loss teams. Later on tonight, down in CG, right here, we've got Pacers and Rockets coming up for you later on tonight, which will shrink this show by 30 minutes. We'll get into Colts Happy Hour at 5.30 until 6.30, and then the Pacers pregame show takes over coming up at uh, 6. Check that, 6.30, yeah, what time? 
Six, yeah, 6.30, right? 6.30 for the pregame show. Right, Kyle, coming up later on tonight. So there you go. Again, get here. We're in Broad Ripple on a Bud Light Blue Friday. We're at Average Joe's in Broad Ripple. I got four pair of Jags Colts tickets to give away. Hagan's going to join us. We've got that coming up. I think Wells is going to be here. John Price at some point. Don Fisher and a whole lot more on this busy Friday. We are in Broad Ripple at Average Joe's. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live if you want to watch as well. And 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Bullish Brands hanging and banging with you until the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up, we have artists such as Living Color and the Fine Young Cannibals right now. Here's Roxette, The Look, 89.9 W-R-O-L. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We're in Broad Ripple. The Bud Light Blue Friday. I got four pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. So you got to get here for it. Remember, I got to bail at 5.30, head to Colts Happy Hour, 6.30, Pacer pregame show. The Rockets, the Houston Rockets with Akeem Olajuwon, with Ralph Sampson, with Mario Eli, with Kenny Smith. No, not that group. A different, a different group of Rockets come to town. Hey, speaking of sports, by the way, to afternoon baseball game two, ALDS. Best of five, tied at two. Yankees batting in the bottom of the eighth inning game, tied at two. Nobody out, nobody on. And uh, we'll see what happens again. Tied at two with the uh, Guardians trying to even that up. I had a game of peace in that best of five. W-R-O-L. You like that, don't yeah. you? Man, your, your voice can get it done. You can be a station voice right now. I was trying to imitate. To. Yeah, I could, I, that's my dream is one day just do VO work. Say, and, putting the wattage in your cottage. Is that what you said? No, I don't know. Somebody did once upon a time. I just want to wake up and, like, they email you some scripts, and you go down there, and you, <clears throat> boom, knock them out. See you later. Yeah. Deposit that into my account. Nice. Tagan, JMV, Broad Ripple, Average Joe's, get here. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Friend of the show in Brownsburgian. And really better known, I think, in all circles, and especially on this show, as Layla's dad. Mike Wells joining us now of ESPN Radio. Hello, Mike. How are you? What's up, fellas? And I will say this over – well, actually, two things. Uh, we went with some Michael Jackson on the reentry, uh, which is not normal for, for our Friday um, uh, 4 o'clock slot. Yeah, and I forgot. I, I kind of forgot. That's on me. My bad. And then, <laughs> and then Hagen has the best job television-wise in this market. He is the only he's, he is the only main sports guy who does not work on a Friday. He yeah. spends his Fridays hanging out with you, drinking adult beverages, breaking yeah. his neck, looking at the scenery, while you know the Cal the Calhouns and the Calabros, who and uh, and, who? and and the Whitlicks and I don't know who the hell I don't know who who's running um, RTV six Brad Brown. They're out there working. On yeah, he's a, he's a one-man gang stuff. over there, I think. Yeah, he hey. may be the only employee they have. I know it. Well, it's come talk to me when I'm working 13 hours on Sunday. I work Sunday through Thursday. We have a 30-minute show Sunday morning and a 30-minute show Sunday night. So a man's entitled to his back-to-back two off days, and mine just happen to be Friday and Saturday. Hey, Jay, Jay, check Yo. this out, though, bro. You know I'm about to mess with Hagen, right? I, I know um, – the guy who oversees the station where Chris Whitlick used to work at, 
he works Fridays, and they had their game <laughs> show on Sunday and their post-game show on Sunday and a show on Sunday night. Yeah, but we have viewers that actually watch those shows, so we have to make sure they're good. Well, let me tell you this. This is why I'm on every Sunday night with Hagen, because that's how you're going to know that they're going to get their ass whipped. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I come on there, and I'm like the hammer. You know, I like, I, I'm, I'm like the Jose Batista seven years ago. Game-winning home run bat flip. That's me every Saturday, every Sunday night with Hagen right there. And I, 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 lo- I love it because I love it. it's like you're you're in your living room hanging out, and um, you know you don't have to drive over off to West West Seventy First Street. You right. can be down there on the south side and do it. And that, see, that's got to be. There, there's proof right there. There's proof right there. What show Wells is watching? JMV. He's just sat there and described oh, what yeah, he sees. He so, I know what he's watching. He's not. Listen, I know what he's going to. He's going to watch us. I am jealous of Wells though today because Wells ha- has himself a brand new Bucky's T-shirt that he was sporting today. Yes, uh, I got to give a shout out to um, the, the, the famous person in my household, Miss Layla. She went down to Kentucky on a uh, a glamping trip, staying in a nice cabin all week for fall break with her friend from Roncalli, the Kramers. The one, the tall girl that uh, you asked about, Jay, they, uh-huh. uh, they took her down there and they stopped at Bucky's and got me a shirt and brought back. And that is my new favorite shirt that I'll be wearing. So nice. props to, to Miss Layla. And once again, the South Side coming through for me, man. You, you Nothing folks wrong on the with South it. Side know how to take care of You folks on the Nothing. South Side know how to take care of me, Jay. Well, I mean, here's what else they're probably going to do. They're probably going to talk uh, because they, they, they talk to me. They're going to talk, try to talk to us to get our daughters to go over to Ron Colley. That's coming. Woo, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's coming. Hey, yeah, I'm tell, telling hey, you. Hey, tell, 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 tell Laney to go ahead and go to Ron Colley because, I mean, we, we, who knows what's going to happen at Center Grove when, when uh, the girls get to high school, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, based on conversations you and I have had about how things are rolling, we need we need Laney to make sure there's not going to be any daddy ball getting in the way, man. Well, yeah, that's a good thing. You're going to get to the point where there's no more daddy ball involved, which is going to be we're going to be de- I guess going to be decent. So yeah. Anyway, I I hear about that all the time. So I'm just I'm just um, probably thinking you hear the same thing. So. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, away from that for a moment, you covered the Colts for such a long time, and now you get to you know, occasionally talk about them when you're on ESPN Radio as well doing the national thing. Did you ever think when you first started covering the Colts that they were going to be that team that others kind of lined up in the crosshairs to beat the crap out of within the division? Uh, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Re- repeat that out loud, super sick. What'd you say, brother? Um, it, it, it feels like now, you know, the way that everybody around here felt about Jacksonville, felt you know in the past about Tennessee, and certainly still feel about Houston. It seems like the Colts have now become that. They're the team that others in the division say, "Hey, we're going to go up there and beat the crap out of them. We're going to bring them in here and beat the crap out of them." They've kind of become that team. Oh yeah, listen. I'm, I don't think um, Doug Peterson and the Jaguars are going to come in and say, oh, my God, we're playing the Colts this weekend. Uh, we have no chance to win. Jacksonville has won two straight over the Colts. They shut them out a couple weeks ago. They knocked them out of the playoffs in week 18 last year. They feel like they are the better team of the two in this division. 
We've seen what the, the Tennessee Titans have had the number, which who, who the Colts are going to play the following weekend. I mean, you know, the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans, but they did get a tie on them. But nobody, no, nobody in the division fears the Indianapolis Colts anymore. In fact, it's, I think it's been a number of years since anybody has feared the Colts in the AFC South. I think after, after 2018, 18 people probably said, okay, the Colts are back to being where they're at before because Andrew Luck will be back again and they can take over the AFC South uh, once more after um, Bill O'Brien and the Texans are doing it. But now they're like, ah, yeah, you know what? The Colts are just a team in the division, not the team, a team in the AFC South. And they're, only, they're the only team in the division this year that doesn't have a division win, 0-2-1. I mean, the Texans go down there and handle business at Jacksonville, something the Colts couldn't do. And as we talked about before, everybody has won that AFC South division uh, except the Colts since 2014. So definitely and the days are gone where you just line up and say, okay, they're going to go 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh in the division, and that's your head start to the playoffs. It's other teams thinking, hey, this is a team – we're, we can go sweep this team. We can go sweep the Colts and get on the right foot. So, yeah, that's that's why so much is at stake this Sunday, trying to uh, – if you drop this one and then go lose at Tennessee and you, you're sitting there, what, 0-4-1 and in the division, yeah, I mean, you can hang it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm I, I, I willing to bet anybody, anybody $1,000, that they didn't believe through the first five weeks of the season that they thought the Colts' two victories – we're going to be against the AFC West, the best of, you know, supposedly <laughs> the best division in the NFL. Nobody, they figured, okay, there would be, th- man, you know, probably three and two going in because they're playing the AFC South. Things are supposed to be back rolling again. They're finally in that losing streak down to Jacksonville. Get those three wins. Okay, then you lose to Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, and you're still sitting in a great spot because you have the three and zero in the division. Instead, like Hagan just alluded to, only team in the division that has that is yet to have a win, and they their two victories on the season are against a, a division that has been highly overrated, and beating, yeah, beating it, Patrick Mahomes and the uh, Denver Broncos. If I lined it up and said, "Hey, okay, after five weeks, the Colts will be two, two, and one," you figure out which teams they beat, lost to, and tied. Nobody would be anywhere close to figuring out, out that puzzle, even yep. if you told them the record was two, two, and one. Oh, hell no, ain't nobody figuring that one out. No. That, 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 I mean, listen, like I said, I'd give somebody $1,000 if they said that their two victories are going to be against Denver and Kansas City. We know that was not the case. I, I said this earlier this week, Mike, that if you went back to July and if I were to tell you then, this is how this offense is going to play. This is how this offensive line is going to look. This is how, for the most part, your quarterback is going to look. If I were to tell everybody that, People would suggest that you're probably an over or maybe luckily a one-win team on the season. And then if I were to say, all right, can you bet or guess which two games that you won, nobody would have said back in July, Kansas City or Denver. No, uh, no. Uh, they, they definitely would not have said that. Listen, I think nobody would have guessed that this offensive line would have been as bad as it's been. And listen, I think we can all agree it's been like that in all five spots. Nobody, nobody would assume that Quentin Nelson would not be as dominant as he was in years past. I mean, I know there's some people who, who like to talk in the air and say, oh, yeah, they saw this coming, blah, 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 and things like that. Nobody thought that Quentin Nelson would be struggling at times the way he has. Nobody would have thought that the question, the question during a Wednesday press conference with Frank Wright about if Ryan Kelly is going to lose his starting job, the guy they gave a contract extension to, Several years ago, 
the guy who's been a Pro Bowl center, you know, would have his starting job in jeopardy. Whether they would move Braden Smith, their starting right tackle, back to right guard where he started his career, and now looking like he will move back to right tackle this weekend against the Jaguar, Jaguar, excuse me, Jacksonville Jaguars, nobody would have guessed these problems. I think we, I think the focus strictly would have been on, okay, the wide receiver position and, you know, is Matt Ryan that guy? Can he do enough to carry him? But instead, the questions are just – the questions are flowing nonstop, which is great for radio for your show, Jay. But I don't think – as you're a Colts fan, there's no way in hell you thought this was going to be the case. What's crazy as well is – I mean – they're fortunate. I know it's a it's a razor, you know, fine line between winning and losing this league. And the Colts are two, two and one. They could easily be sitting here zero and five. When you think about the Chris Jones uh, unsportsmanlike penalty, uh, Russell Wilson throws a pick in the end zone when they're going in to put that thing away, and then the Texans, you know, turn the ball over when they had led by seventeen. Uh, fortunate to be where you are, and despite all the problems they've had and all the injuries. Everything is still out there for them. If they, if they can handle the, their business the next two weeks, they'll be alone in first place, and all is forgiven. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, and you guys might disagree with me on this. Um, as flawed as the Colts are right now, as many problems as they have, they are going to win the AFC South still. Oh, okay. They, they, are, they are going to win the division still because – the AFC South is flawed. It's not like the Colts are going to are truly the most dominant team in the division, despite having you know two losses and a tie in it. They're going to win the division because the division is very, very flawed. So they will get it by default, and they will find a way to get to the playoffs. I didn't say how many wins they were going to have this season, but they will win the division. Here's, here's the problem. Mike Wells joins us of ESPN Radio every Friday, along with Chris Hagan, me, I'm JMV, Average Joe's, and Broad Ripple on a Bud Light Blue Friday. The problem I have is it's not even so much about the personnel, is that Tennessee is going to win this thing until Tennessee no longer can because they're just simply tougher, and they grind it out no matter the situation better than anybody else. And neither the Jaguars and certainly the Colts in this case have ever shown they're capable of doing that and winning that way. So I will always believe in Tennessee here in the short term until they give me a reason not to. Because to me, that's something that I think Jim Irsay is pretty jealous about or smitten about with Tennessee and Mike Vrabel and how they're run because they seemingly get past and still win regardless of the injury circumstances or anything else. They're just tougher than everybody else. That's a good, that, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I think they're running goals. And I've been adamant on your show that I think Mike Vrabel is the most underrated head coach in the NFL because his team has taken on his personality as far as you know, we're, we're, we're going to – we may be ugly, but we find a way to get the job done. And that's kind of how Mike Vrabel's NFL career was, is that he was, he didn't care about flash. But I just think – I think the run ends in that situation. You made a great point. You made a, you, you mentioned Jim Irsay, you know, is very jealous of that. He should be jealous of that. I yeah. mean, that's, that's like that's like all the Hagen's ex-girlfriends looking at him and seeing him on star on television. They're like, man, I, 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 wish, I wish I had that right there. I wish I had – that 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 four foot, that four foot one little ginger right there. That's that's what Jim Irsay is to the Tennessee Titans. It is Hagen's ex girlfriend's looking at him being a TV star. 
That might be the best sports analogy ever, Wells, in the history of radio. <laughs> are there girls you went to high school with that are jealous because of your fame and fortune? Oh, I'm sure there are many. Yeah. There's several, several. What's funny is people I went to high school with don't even know that I'm on television because they're all, what are they all back doing? in what Birmingham. What do they do down there? Tell you what, them, those southern girls, they age gracefully. I mean, had the high school reunion, and I was like, wow, it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. Man, okay. well, they live in they're in the backwoods of Alabama where they don't have they don't have television reception. They don't have cable. Yeah, it's, that's right, Wells. Yeah, I I just I think you know part of the reason why the Jim Irsay has been so outspoken regarding this is what we have to do, this is who we have to catch in Tennessee is because he he is jealous, he is smitten because his team is supposed to resemble that. That's how they're supposed to be able to win, too. It's not all about the skill positions, right? It's not all about all this. It's about being able to grind it out, you know, play with your, your foundation, your offensive line, run the football, all of which has gone absolutely haywire this season. And by the way, Mike, if this offensive line doesn't improve just to be decent, this team has zero chance. It has been a joke how bad they have been so far this year. Man, and I don't want. I can't say they they were as bad as the Ryan Grixon errors when 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 Andrew Luck was getting his head beat in on a regular basis. But they are they are trying to teeter to that. They are trying to teeter to that. And again, that's three with three guys who you gave contract extensions to, who you felt like was going to be long term solutions up front because you know you want to be able to win in the trenches on the defensive line and the offensive line. And you, you, you mentioned the whole Jim Irsay, you know, believing that, okay, you, you, you can win no matter what kind of way. Think about this. That's what Chris Ballard said he wanted to build his roster around, not just around the quarterback, but you didn't want to put it on just one position. You wanted to be able to win in a number of different ways, if it meant winning ugly, winning off the ground, winning through the air, winning off turnovers. You did not put everything on the right arm or the left arm of whoever your starting quarterback is. And that approach currently is not working for the Indianapolis Colts. It's you always talk about, you know, in sports, maybe they can flip a switch. Maybe they can do this. It's the same guys. It's on paper. It's this and that. What's one critical thing that maybe even small, but one thing that could change. And as you said, uh, send this team to the uh, division title. What's the key one thing to change? It's, it's what it's what Jay just alluded to. You got to fix offensive line because the offensive line. You fix offensive line, the dominoes will start to fall in place. And by fixing it, you stop trying to change it up and stop playing. You know, trying to play matchmaker every single week, trying to see what combination is going to work. I never thought. Frank Wright would be in a position of saying, saying, okay, we have to we have to tinker with this, we have to tinker with that, we have to find the right combinations. When he got hired in 2018, that's when the old line started to take off and, and, and develop. You thought the foundation was there, and now the Colts are heading into week six, and they could have a different starting offensive line. You get that offensive line right, that, that should help Jonathan Taylor, that should help Matt Ryan in his, you know, having the, the fumble on the ball, you know, fumbling the ball and throwing it and getting sacked so many times, that right there, if that gets fixed, the Colts are going to take off. So let me let me ask you guys this. Do you think the O-line is capable of getting fixed or is the damage done for this unit up front? I think it's – I mean, it's not like these guys just fall off overnight. I think it's there. I don't know if it's – you know, if it's mental, if it's a confidence thing, if it's a chemistry thing, as you said, musical chairs and moving guys around. But as you, as we've heard before, one weak link 
on the line can ruin the whole thing. It's not like, well, all, you know, four or five guys really blew that play up. It can be one guy. And so I think that's why they do have the Rubik's Cube. They're out there trying to, to spin it and get, the, get it set right where all the colors are on the right side. So I, I think it is fixable. I think they can get it going. But as you alluded to earlier, when, when Frank Reich shows up and then after a draft or two, they were sitting there with a number one pick at center, a first-round pick at center, Ryan Kelly. A first-round pick, Quentin Nelson. First-round pick, Anthony Costanzo. And you had an overall number one pick at quarterback in Andrew Luck. So the, the, de- the deck was stacked for greatness and to go forward. And then Luck retires. Costanzo retires maybe a little bit sooner than they thought he would. And, then, and since then, you know, that's when you're trying to, to fill those holes. Hey, Mike, can I tell you something? You brought up, you know, an old-school Gregson offensive line. And, you know, again, I don't want to rehash all this Gregson crap. But when I look at, I think the first, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. People get worn out on that. So I will tell you this, that you look at that offensive line. I think it was in year number one. I can't remember who played left guard, but you had Samson Satelli was the center. Mike McGlynn was the right guard. Winston Justice was the right tackle. And then Anthony Costanzo was the left tackle. I think just because you had such a solid component at left tackle, I would take that offensive line, even with Luck running for his life right now, over the one that we have seen through the first five weeks of the season. Because these guys look like that at least a couple of them got paid and then regressed. And then you have a solidified left tackle in Costanzo at that moment, which you don't have right now. You hope that Ryman is going to be that. But let's just face it. He's going to have more times this season when he's the starter at left tackle, looking like what he did early in that game over a week ago in Denver. So just because you have a solidified left tackle, which is one of the essentials in the NFL to be good, I would look back at that line at almost being better or something I would want more than the one that you see right now that has gone simply in the first five weeks, Mike Haywire. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Jay, I, I, just, I just broke out hives, man. I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm cringing even think, yeah. thinking about that. But you, you also, you, you, made it, you made an excellent point because question, question of the left tackle, Eric Fisher was not good last season. He was a weak link on the offensive line, and – I know He's better than what you have right problem. now, too. Yeah. Oh my! Oh, and that, and that's a hey, that is scary as hell. That is scary as hell because there was so many times that that um that Eric Fisher looked so lost out there last season that he just looked like yeah. an old man playing, in, you know, trying to play in quicksand. That is, that is very scary. And think about this. Okay, you you find you have your new starting left tackle going forward. Unless a young man screws it up, he'll be there. So he's going to learn on the fly. You're learning on the fly while playing catch up in the rest, playing catch up to the rest of the division. I, I even look like, at it. Hey, yeah. listen, hey, hey Hagen, Hagen, that, yep. that right there is a mixture. That's a bad combination. That's a combination of if you had to put Jay and mix him in with somebody else uh, in, in his worst enemy and thinking that's going to work. <laughs> I wonder who that would be. I, I can just tell you this, Mike, that even last week when they rearranged the, the deck chairs on the proverbial Titanic of that offensive line, that didn't work either. And then you're thinking about why did you even put 
Matthew Pryor at right tackle. And, you know, since then they've talked about running, wanting to run it better or creating running lanes, which I guess, you know, they did because, you know, both Lindsey and Jackson did run the ball uh, better than decently on Thursday night. But I can equally make the argument that maybe Denver didn't give a crap. Because 28 wasn't out there, so why are you going to concentrate on that position when the best at that position isn't out there? So I, I just even doing that and, and not putting Pryor at right guard, which is, I think, where he's going to start coming up on Sunday, and putting him at right tackle, and then to start the season, if you're Chris Ballard, believing that he was going to be able to be your starting left tackle is still ridiculous. Absolutely is. Man, it, it really is. Um, it's the whole, the whole trying to think. I mean, my receiver, offensive line, those are two two things that Chris Bauer has been very reluctant to address. I mean, we all know we all know the quarterback situation. We know what's going on at, at, at you know the whole roulette at quarterback. But two two very important positions that Ballard has tinkered with and decided not to fully fully address is biting them in the rear end. Yeah. Well, and I, I say this, Mike. You know, this is this is essentially Chris's baby. This offensive line. This is how. This is my philosophy. This is my blueprint. This is how, you know, it's going to be built. And this is how we'll thrive. This is how we'll win. This is how we're going to get those results that Jeb Ursay is looking for. And you know, it's it's not working. And, and to a degree, you look at the defensive line, which has had its struggles. You know, at least you got DeForest Buckner with a couple of sacks, and Gakwe got one last week in Denver. And I will, because we've been ripping a lot. I will give credit where credit is due. Stephon Gilmore brought in here to be a playmaker, and you can say what you want about how awful Denver was offensively. He stepped up and basically won a game for the Colts. That's exactly the reason why you bring him in here. That's why they did, and that paid off. Off a week ago Thursday night. Yeah, um, that and then listen, I think Quiddy Pace. Come, I mean, I know he, he's hurt now, but I feel like I feel like he's coming in his own too. I see. I feel like Quiddy's coming up and making things. And I, I was one who questioned the um, Stephon Gilmore thing. Like, did he have did he have anything left after winning Defensive Player of the Year in 2019? And he played. He has played. Now he did not play his ass off. He has played his ass off the entire season. And so well, he, he has done it in, mul- in multiple games. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump you there, Wellesley. Um, so given all that and we just, you know, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Based on what you say, can I take it you think the Colts are going to win this game Sunday? Yeah, I got to win it. I got, I got the Colts winning on Sunday. I, I, think, I think they win. And but listen, I, I said they were going to win the division. So in order to win the division, they got to find a way to get a win in the division. And I, I think that happens um, this weekend. I know Trevor Lawrence has, has gone, you know, semi-balled out the last two games against the Colts. Both those games were in Jacksonville. I think it'll be different this weekend. I, I think they, I think they pull it off. You got, hey, are we three and zero this weekend, or we got some people a little hesitant? No, no, I, I had to, edge. I had to do my picking. I had to do my picking yesterday. Um, I, I just, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of have tos, right? And when I talk about this team, and I, I described. You know, weeks one and weeks two, and really every week is a half two. But you put yourself in a two-two and one position, and especially o-two and one within the own division, where it's a half two. I mean, it's a half two on Sunday. It's a half two a week from Sunday. You know, down in Nashville, and if you don't, I mean, you very well could bury yourself here before Halloween. So I, and I would also look at it. These guys have to be reading, hearing, watching. You know, knowing what's being said about them. 
at some point, everybody expects them to get up off the mat, you know, and, and play well because they always get off the slow starts. Uh, it's, it's going to test that because this, this group really hasn't shown that to any level so far. And going through what they've gone through against Jacksonville, I, I think it will be embarrassing if they come out there and start that game off as we have seen them usually doing this season. It'll be embarrassing if they lose that game to Jacksonville on Sunday, regardless of what happened back in week two. That's how big of a must this is coming and up gonna, on Sunday. They're going to have that crowd to start the game. Yeah. You don't want to lose that crowd. You don't, you don't want to go down 10 nothing and then that thing turns on you. But, yeah, Wells, oh, I got yeah. them winning, too. Uh, I, I got the Colts winning ugly. I got them winning, uh, like, 19 to 16, something goofy like that. Man, listen, I, I, I knew we were three smart guys. Of course, if they lose, <laughs> everybody's going uh, uh, to call us a bunch of a-holes at about 430. Yeah, oh, they, no. they call me that anyway. That happens anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> hey, tell the awesome Layla I said hello. Enjoy the Brownsburg game. I'm sure you're going to watch later on tonight, and uh, we'll talk at you again next Friday. All right, fellas, y'all be good. Talk to y'all later. See Mike else. Wells of ESPN Radio. Mike Wells of every Friday on this show. And um, it's probably breaking a little bit of new ground with watching the Colts compared to covering them in the past. But, you know, we all kind of saw this team sliding into this right now. Do you think that other teams within the division look at them as a team now that they should go in? On the road and then a home beat, much like we've looked at the other teams within the division over the years. It's like I said, we, we live here in the bubble, so it's all positivity, and you hear positive messages from yeah. the coaches and the players. Uh, I think in other markets, uh, other radio shows, they're sitting down there in Jacksonville going, yeah, let's go up there and win this game. It's a winnable game. That, yeah. was, that was my imitation of a Jacksonville JMV. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they look at this game like they did in years past, like, man, we're going to have to get some breaks to go up there and win. I think Jacksonville's probably thinking – Hey, we go play our game and play clean. We're going to win. And that, that's something that gets between the ears. Uh, you know, you have a team that in years past were, were you know, chalking it up as, well, ah, we're no good, we're losers. I don't think Jacksonville feels that way anymore. They went out there and beat the, albeit the Rams and played like crap. They went out there and, and beat the Rams on their home turf. So they're not going to be intimidated coming in here. They've already shut the Colts out once this year, punched them right in the mouth. So I don't think they're going to come in here feeling like they need to get some breaks. They're going to feel like, hey, we got this one circled as we can go up there and win. Well, the one thing they did do in week number two is they just consistently put pressure on on, on Matt Ryan. Yeah. And that was really kind of the beginning of the, oh, wow, this is how this, this is offensive a, this is a line is playing. Yeah, this is a problem. And the issue in that game, if you remember, that they can easily come off the edge with Allen or Walker or whatever, but they were twisting and going up the middle. Stunts. And you saw so many guys, Chris, get to Ryan, get to the backfield untouched. And we'll see if that uh, was kind of the same. What was surprising that about that was I was in the locker room in Houston, and they'd made that furious rally, and they felt like, okay, that's more like us. That fourth quarter is who we are, and we should have won the game. We missed the field goal. We're just going to take this and – build on that and take it in Jacksonville, and then you go get skunked. So then was, that's when you really start, like you said, you start scratching your head and going, yeah. uh-oh, there may be a problem here. Take it. I'm JMV. We're at Average Joe's. We're in Broad Ripple. Bud Light Blue Friday. Remember, we got to bail from the show at 530 for Colts Happy Hour. But until then, you got more of me and Hagan. If you guys want to jump on board at 239-1070, Kyle will set you up, and we will talk with you about the importance of the game on Sunday and your thoughts of the game coming up on Sunday. Four pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away to, courtesy of Zinc and our friends at Bud Light on a Blue Friday. We're in Broad Ripple. We'll give you an update on that ALDS Game 2 going on in the Bronx. It's going on right now and more to come here on the Friday edition of this show. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back to Broad Ripple. Average Joe's Bud Light Blue Friday. Colts injury report today. As far as game day status is concerned, Jonathan Taylor listed as questionable. Julian Blackman listed as questionable. Naheem Hines, as of right now, coming back from that concussion, listed as questionable for the game against the Jaguars coming up on Sunday. Bud Light Blue Friday. Jaguars Colts tickets will give away courtesy of Bud Light and Average Joe's with you coming up in a minute. Chris Hagan is rejoining us. I didn't want to mention this. Bruce Souter, a Hall of Fame reliever, uh, he was the Cy Young Award winner, I believe, back in 1979 in the National League. Passed away. He was 69. I don't know about you. He's the first pitcher that I can remember where they talked about him using the split finger split fastball. fastball. Yeah, that That's was the, the that first was his guy big I thing. can remember. They're like he's got that split finger. Fa- yeah, and he had a, he had the you know the, the odd delivery, mm-hmm. and he would bring it unhittable, unhittable at times. Where does he rank as far as all-time great closers in your book? And it doesn't necessarily have to be. Like Mariano Rivera being the greatest of all time. Like, you know, think about guys like Dennis Eckersley, John Smoltz, Bobby Thigpen. And Quisenberry, yeah. Hanky, yeah, Reardon. There was just that, that mystique of, you know, if, you're, if your team's playing certain guys and it's, you know, two to one or whatever and you're going to the bottom of the ninth and you see one of those guys come out, you're like, well, the, the game's just over. You know, th- this, he's not going to blow this. And that, that really became a thing when you started thinking about a, a specialty pitcher that was, oh, well, let's just throw a reliever out there. Let's just throw who, who you know, who hadn't, who hadn't thrown. It became like this guy's a specialist. He's going to yeah. come in, and it's lights out. We'll, we'll see you later. Yeah, I just, and that's the first person I can remember that ever mentioned the split-fingered fastball that he was throwing. You Bruce know, Suter. coming in, you did, uh, and it's, it's sad as you get older because you know this is going to happen more. Like actors we really admired and athletes. You know, you, yeah. you know, it's it, it happens to everybody. It's just a sign of the times. And it's sad when, you know, I, when I was a kid, my dad would say, oh, I used to watch, you know, he would, the names he would say of you know, athletes or people passing away wouldn't really resonate. But now uh, as we get older, it, yeah. it really does. And that's, you know, uh, not to be Debbie Downer, but c- coming in, you said, hey, so-and-so, you know, he's probable, he's questionable. Who, who made up those terms? Like, instead of like, you know, you know, you know, 30, oh, he's hurt. He might play. He might not. Then we had to get the, the degrees of how yeah. he's questionable, probable, doubtful. Now, now doubtful is worse than questionable, isn't it? Doesn't yes, it, go, it is. It goes, yeah. it goes out, doubtful, questionable, probable, playing. And I, I look at it this way, too. With the three names that I mentioned, Taylor, Blackman, and Hines, I thought Hines would be at the bottom of the list of well, being, remember this. this being is, the, the least questionable, I guess. Well, here's case. what you got to remember, and I, I, I'm glad you said that because I heard you when I was driving in. Uh, we got to remember they played on Thursday, right. not Sunday. It's not like uh, the, the short week that Tua had. This is a, a not even just a regular week. It's a longer week, so more time to go through it. But, yeah, as somebody that suffered a head injury, uh, I, I take that really seriously when you see, like, the, the way he was, you know, out of sorts there in – wobbly legged that that's how I was when I got hit I, I was wobbly legged and the guy had to tell me to take a knee but I was like him I was trying to walk like no no I'm good so yeah that that's scary stuff and I know that the the staff is going to err on the side of caution because I know Naheem's going to want to go no matter what you're gonna have to tell him what's best for him so hopefully that's an indication that all the protocols have have been you know followed uh, accurately, and if he's good to go, they need him out there for Officially sure. Officially ruled as out for Sunday. Shaquille Leonard with the concussion and the broken nose. He just had that uh, surgically worked on, I believe, this week. 
and Quiddy Pay also ruled out for Sunday in that matchup with the Jaguars. More of Hagen, more of me, JMV, and Broad Ripple Average Joes. Love to see you here A Bud Light Blue Friday with four Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. Two, two, bottom of nine with an out. Yankees, of course, at the plate in that game two of the ALDS in New York with Cleveland tied. That guy's right trying to end two. it with one swing. He was. He was trying to end that bad boy right there. He's done. He's hit a lot of those. Quick break, and we'll come back. I think Rob Sabatini, who uh, is running the place, is going to join us, too. Don Fisher after five, and John Price as well. 93.5107.5 fan. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you so much for joining us. We're in Broad Ripple today at Average Joe's in Broad Ripple, Bud Light Blue Friday. We're just a, a smidge away from starting to give away tickets. We got four pair of Jaguars Colts tickets for the Sunday matchup to give away courtesy of Bud Light on a Blue Friday. Thank you to my friends at Zinc. Mike Wells a little bit earlier, Bob Lovell a little bit earlier. We mentioned we have a busy night of high school football. Man, Cathedral and Center Grove down in CG is going to be large, to say the least, a part of a terrific High school football schedule before it's one and done season coming up next week. Remember, we got to cut off at 530. We go to Colts happy hour, then an hour of that. And Pacers Rockets from Cambridge Fieldhouse later on tonight. That's coming at you later on this evening as well. Hagen, JMV, and Broad Ripple at Average Joe's. And on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, voice of the Hoosiers with another big one coming up tomorrow against Maryland in the crosshairs. Our friend Don Fisher joins us. Hello, Don. How are you? Hey, John. How are you doing? Are you going out to a little football action tonight again? No, tonight um, I'm actually uh, almost a Bloomington as we speak because tonight is a uh, special event. Oh, I bet it is. When Don when Don Fisher has a Friday night alone in Bloomington, it's a special event. No question about that. I know what you're doing tonight over there. Yes. You do? <laughs> no, I don't. But uh, I just figure. <laughs> I know Don, what I would do Don. in Bloomington on a night alone. I don't know. I'm assuming maybe you have a, a, a similar train of thought. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not alone. I'll be with my oh. wife and family as we uh, celebrate a little HOF tonight. Hall of Fame, oh, John. That's it. That's awesome. What, I mean, I, I talked this up before, and you're, you're cool, and you, you really wanted me to – you told me not to talk about it anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty damn big deal. It, it was weird because if I memory serves – I thought you were already in it. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I, I wondered, how are you not already in that bad Don, Don's been there so long. This is the third time they're putting him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I know it. <laughs> oh, no, man. It is tonight. The banquet is tonight. So uh, this will be the last we have to talk about it. And we don't have to talk about it anymore in this show either. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome, though, seriously. And this, this comes from somebody that, you know, since birth, basically since birth has listened to you and still does because you know how I feel, you know, about radio, other, uh, other aspects out there. I have a, a firm and deeply rooted love for it. And, um, we could not be happier for you, buddy. Honestly. I mean, it is a long time coming and, um, that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. I appreciate it, John. Thank you much. Uh, thank you guys both. I really appreciate your thoughts. All right, so when you, when you celebrate, 
right? And they peel you off the floor coming up later on tonight. What do you think about this matchup with Maryland for the Hoosiers tomorrow? That game you're going to be calling. What what piques your interest well, at the beginning? The change in the offensive line, Coach? Is that where we start? There, there is no question. That's exactly where we start, John. Because uh, it was obviously last week, uh, the second half was just a disaster in regard yeah. to the offensive line. Um, they, they played pretty well in the first half, but it was primarily because the, the very quick and tempo passing game that Indiana was employing kind of wore Michigan out in the first half a little bit. And Indiana was able, and, and, and they didn't, they weren't ready for it. I don't think, I think Agreed. they thought that they could Agreed. sleepwalk through that. And Indiana was able to take advantage of it. And scores tied 10, 10 at halftime. The defense did a nice job. Uh, so it was really a good performance by Indiana, but, the second half was a totally different story from an offensive standpoint because from that point on, whatever adjustments Michigan made, they were the right ones because Indiana couldn't do a thing with their offense in the second half. And the offensive line literally was a sieve. I mean, it, it, it looked like a sieve the entire second half. And uh, uh, without doubt, Tom Allen had to make a move. I, I'm, I, you know, I feel bad for Darren Hiller. I mean, he's a good man. Everybody knows that that Tom and he are close and their families are close. And I understand uh, the negativity of it all, but at the same time, you can see that there's a problem and you've got to somehow try to fix it, whether it's uh, changing of the guard at the, in the offensive line coaching position or whatever. And I don't know that anything else could be done at this point. You've got to do something to change the voice of the coach and maybe the, the, the change to Rod Carey will be a big factor, and maybe it won't be any factor at all because there's no springtime game or no summer to, to work on things. Uh, you're basically trying to change things in the middle of a season, which is really, really hard to do. So I, I feel, for, for first of all, I feel for coach for the new coach because obviously that's, a cha- that's going to be a difficult challenge. Rod Carey's a tremendous coach. I, I really like him. I, I've known him since he was a three-year starter at center for IU. And uh, this guy is just a special man on top of that. And I don't think he wanted this job at all. Uh, I think he took the quality control job so that he'd have time to be with his family and a son that's playing some football at the Garen. And um, that he, he took this only because his wife and his family signed off on it. So, um, I, this is probably just a one-year thing, and or, or at least until the season's over, and then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I do know this. I talked to a, a player on the team last night. He's a scout player. He's not a starter or anything like that. But this young man, I said, could you see a difference this week in the way the offensive line is being uh, coached and, and how they're going about things? And he said, there is no question I've seen a difference. So that tells me something. And, and Fish, we're at that part of the season now. We, you know, three losses in a row. Um, you, you still got some of the heavy hitters in college football down the road, and, and you start, you know, I know players and coaches take it one game at a time, but we in the media, we like to look big picture. And you, you think about how important it is to get to that six wins and, and get back to to a bowl game after the disappointment last season. And, and these these next two weeks are games, you know, you, you want to really try to get because there's going to be some tough ones down the road after that. Well, there's no question, um, Chris. I think I think the big thing uh, for this game tomorrow is can Indiana make some things happen offensively and have the have the discipline defensively that it's going to take because Talia Tungavaloa is just having a tremendous year. He's third in the country 
in pass efficiency as far as percentage of completions is concerned. Um, he's in the top 10 or 15 in almost every passing category in the country right now, and he is playing terrific. And he was, he was really good last year, too. So if Indiana's defense can step up and start playing a little bit better, especially in that defensive backfield, where they have had some problems this year at times, uh, that's going to be crucially important. But I do think Indiana's capable of winning this ballgame. I, I know Maryland's really good, and they've really improved in a lot of areas. But I still think this is a winnable football game if Indiana plays to their capabilities and finally gets something done in the offensive line that allows the quarterback to do his job. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU and Maryland coming up in Bloomington tomorrow. You, you mentioned this, and you're absolutely right. It, it looked like Michigan wasn't really ready for that tempo offense we saw from from IU in the first half, will we see more of that with with the way the direction is going to go with Rod Carey now and this offensive line in mind? I, how do you think they're going to handle this offensively against Maryland tomorrow? It's hard for me to know that, John. Uh, you know, I, I, I you know I think Rod probably would have some influence with Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator, and what he thinks this Indiana football team can do. And so we'll see if there are going to be changes made in, in how they scheme it and how they go about, um, you know, playing that Temple offense. If they can still do it or if they do it as much or maybe slow it down a little bit to, to you know, more than anything, you just can't have one, two, three, and out, one, two, three, and out, and the defense yeah. stays on the football field for a you know, a half of football, which is basically what happened in the second half of this ball game this past week. So I, I do think that, that there'll be some changes made. I just don't know what they're going to be. But I have, I have the utmost confidence, if anything can be done with this offensive line, that Rod Carey is the man to do it. And, and Fish, uh, not that you work at the ticket office, so I'll do it myself here. Uh, a 3.30 start, great weather. It's football-type weather. I don't see any reason that a, a IU fan shouldn't be in there tomorrow and, and be loud and proud and, and, like you said, go out there and beat a good team, but a game you feel like the Hoosiers have a chance. Well, I do think they've got a chance. I think a lot of the fans know that they do as well, and they know how important this game is to the rest of the season. And obviously, if Indiana could win it, then they're just two away from getting a bowl. And that, of course, gives you motivation, gives the players more confidence. Uh, But they've got to win a football game here in the next two weeks for sure. And hopefully it's two because that would make things even easier for the team as far as a a possible bowl bid is concerned. Some of these injury situations that we saw certainly as of last week, um, starting with Cam Jones, for example, how's that look? especially on the defensive side of the football going into tomorrow, Don? Well, it doesn't look, it doesn't look good, John. I mean, Cam Jones is going to be out for, I don't know how long. Uh, it's, 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 they have indicated that it's going to be some time. So that might mean two or three or maybe four, yeah. or maybe even five more weeks. I mean, he may not mm. see, you know, might be the last couple of ball games of the year that we see him. Uh, it's obviously a significant foot injury of some kind. So my, my, my thought here is Cam's not going to be available. I do like what I saw from Bradley Jennings last week. Aaron Casey has been a really solid performer this year at the linebacker post. Jared Casey, another uh, recruit or transfer portal guy from Kentucky who has been out the last couple of weeks is now available again. So I'm excited about him being back. Um, and, and I do think the linebacking core uh, has done a pretty good job despite Cam's 
uh, injury situation and not being available. I think the, the big key tomorrow, or hopefully one of the keys tomorrow, is getting back a couple of these wide receivers. And I think DJ, DJ Matthews is a guy that might be back tomorrow. Uh, likewise, Javon Swinton. So those two guys could be back. Cam Campers had another week to get uh, you know back to 100%, uh, even though he played some last week, but he was not as effective as he's been in the past. So I, I think that's going to help this football team if, in fact, Matthews is ready to go and uh, Swinton as well. Um, hey, Don, in closing here, do you um, have a, a true gauge because of the offensive line and, and what he has had to endure on the type of season that Connor Bazelak has had to this point? I do know this. Uh, he is one tough dude. <laughs> and I yeah. say that because he has taken every hit uh, every sack, gotten back up, and gone out there and just done his thing again. And, you know, I'm sure that in some respects uh, he's been really sore after the last few football games. I know he was after the Nebraska game. Uh, I know he was after the Michigan game, certainly. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he holds up, but I think he's a big, strong kid. Uh, he's a tough guy. There's no question about that. And his calmness and, and his ability to not say negative things under these circumstances is pretty impressive, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, as you mentioned, it would be tough, very tough, not being pissy under these circumstances. I completely agree with that. And I, I guess to a certain degree, um, we're kind of getting that with the NFL team up here as well. It'd be yeah, tough, I think, at sometimes not to be pissy under those circumstances. So, no doubt. <laughs> I think you've termed it correctly, sir. <laughs> yes. Hey, congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Have a great night with the fam down in Bloomington. And uh, we'll catch you 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, pregame show, right? 2.30? Yep, 2.30 pregame, 3.30 kick time. Uh, it's going to be a fun day, I think. And it's going to be a, a special day if Indiana can win the football game because it's hugely important. All right. I want you back back in the hotel room by 4 a.m., okay, Don? Make sure. <laughs> you know, I do. I will have time in the morning to sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I know exactly what you mean. Don't fall into that trap. <laughs> Buddy, I appreciate right, you. We're happy for you. Congrats, Don. Thanks, Don. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, incredibly deserving of that honor. No you know what? They got to win one for the Fisher. You do got to win Get out one there and win the one for the Fisher. Tegan, JMV, Average Joe's, Broad Ripple, Bud Light Blue Friday. And joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Outline. SportsInformationTraders.com, our weekly visit with John Price. John, welcome in on this Friday. How are you, sir? Excited because of what I'm looking at right now on the paper in front of me. You know, we've been on here for a little while now, and I don't think we've discussed this because this has not happened since 2020. Um, I am looking at what I would call a Vegas mistake, and here's the definition of that. On Sundays, that's when the odds makers in Las Vegas put their lines together and send them out for the next week's college football. We do ours on Mondays. I like to let a day pass to kind of get an idea of who's healthy and how teams respond. When we compare and contrast the lines, they're generally similar. And the last time this happened was 2020 with Wake Forest, which you can see on our website, sportsinformationtraders.com. 
there is a team that is an underdog that should 100% be favored. And when we see this, we take advantage of it by betting on that team on the money line, which is about two to one odds, and with the points. Together, it's going to be the biggest college football wager of the season for us. I call it the Vegas mistake because it is the wrong team is favored. Go to our website, sportsinformationtraders.com. Right there on the homepage, you'll see it in red letters, the Vegas mistake. You can purchase it right there on the website. I'm looking at the game right now. So when you buy it, you're going to get a call from one of our analysts. You're going to be on the game five minutes after you purchase it. We're ready to go before it starts tomorrow. I do expect some line movement between now and tomorrow. Not the radical shift that happened last time. Last time this happened, Wake Forest was a three-point underdog during the week. We gave it to our clients, and they were a three-point favorite by kickoff, and they won by 17. So this is the biggest game to date. It's yours. You can purchase it now at sportsinformationtraders.com. You don't have to answer me, yes or no, but I, I haven't looked at the website. I'm guessing, I think I know what game this is. I'm not going to say it, but I, I think it's a uh, 7.30 Eastern kickoff. Am I right? Um, you don't have to tell no, me. No, not necessarily. Well, I, I, I'll tell you the one that everybody's everybody's like looking sideways at the USC-Utah game because Utah right. is a two-loss team and USC is knocking on the door. And that doesn't really look right either. However... There's reasons for that. I, I know why Vegas did that. But there's, to me, there is a team that should not be an underdog. They should not. They should be favored in this game. And, you know, when you do that, you got to take advantage of it. And so right now, all of our clients are already on that game. It's a money line play, and it's a play with the points. It's two bets in one game. The combination, it's the biggest risk, the biggest wager of our college football season. And, if you go to our website, you can go check it out, JMV, when, when we, uh, you go to your next commercial break. Go to our website, scroll down, and check it out. The last time it happened, it was a Wake Forest game with Virginia. And we knew that Virginia's quarterback wasn't going to be playing. And uh, the whole line flipped, and we were able to cash in on the money line and with those three points, which eventually disappeared, and they became a favorite. It, it doesn't happen often. It, you, nobody's heard me on this station talking about that. Um, so go to our website, sportsinformationtraders.com. You can purchase the Vegas mistake right there. I made it affordable because I simply want people to get on it and win, period. Let's, let's win together twice in the same game. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com. That's uh, John Price right there, sportsinformationtraders.com. Jaguars and Colts look a little bit on it coming up on Sunday, John? What are you thinking? Yeah, Colts are minus two right now. It sort of opened up at two and a half, so slight edge in public money on the Jags. Colts are coming off that really low-scoring game, but it was a victory. And you know what? When you get away away from it and you just look back at it, you know, a win like that counts the same as a 40-10 win, so nobody cares. Uh, they they need to cut down on mistakes, in particular Matt Ryan. The Colts are two and three against the spread, so if you've bet on them this year, you're losing money at this stage. But guess what? Same with the Jaguars. They're coming off a loss. They've made many mistakes. Lawrence had two picks last week. They're also two and three against the spread. Here's something that probably doesn't shock Colts fans: the under is five and zero oh in Colts plays, and there hasn't been a lot of scoring in the game, so. 
Colts fans are following it. They're smart. They get it. The under is 5-0. and oh, And I believe it's going to become 6-0 and oh this week. The total is 42. I think these two defenses are still ahead of the two offenses. Last time they played, I don't believe the Colts scored a point. I think it was 24-0. So I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game. Take the under 42 points in the Colts-Jaguars game. It's not a big play for us. The biggest play that we have is going to occur tomorrow, a day before the Colts and Jaguars play. If you're listening to me in Indianapolis and you're saying, I need to see a play, I've heard this guy, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, show me a play that you can stake the reputation of your company on. This is the one. Go to our website, sportsinformationtraders.com, block out all the other companies and all the other distractions Zero in on this one Vegas mistake, and you can cash in with the rest of us. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com. That's sportsinformationtraders.com right there. Check it out. That is our friend every Friday, John Price. John, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. It's uh, John Price right there, sportsinformationtraders.com. Oh, man, whose was that right there? Somebody just got their car tagged right in front of me right here. Bummer. Hey, you know, um, the Falcons 5-0 and against the spread. Yeah, I saw that. little yeah. tidbit. I think I know yeah. a game. Is he still listening to us? Can he still Hey, Kyle, us? is he gone? Yeah, he's gone. Okay. I, I think he's talking about the Kentucky-Mississippi State game. Well, you you brought it up. He wouldn't answer. I said, is well, it 7-30? He he's like, ah. Oh, well, I think he kind of thought it was a crank question, and then – you ask it, and he thought that was me, so I'm the one. Now it's a, you're on the hook for that. Yeah, I'm on the hook for the How unprofessional. Question. I think he's talking about Mississippi State because that line went from eight to four. Mississippi State yeah. favored on the road against Kentucky. I think he's saying Kentucky should be favored. So uh, I might just go to his website and see because he stakes his reputation on it. So I'm going to go check he it was, out. He was fairly emphatic. He was adamant, like put your 401K on it. Vegas completely screwed up. What's funny is that's always – Vegas never screws up because they always win. No matter, like, they got money on both sides. They're going to be fine. So uh, I'm going to have to go. What's the website? I'm going to go check it out. Sportsinformationtraders.com. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my 401K on. If not, I'm going to go find this price guy. The, The price better be right. Hey, by the way. Yankees lose game two, best of five, ALDS. Final in 10 innings, 4-2 Guardians. Right now, the Braves and Phillies are playing top three. Let's go bottom three. The um, scoreless. Midge alert, by the way, for Cleveland coming up tomorrow, right? Remember that? Remember the bugs that were flying oh, all yeah, over yeah, yeah. Chamberlain? When was that? Back in 07? It was a while ago. 06, yeah. something like that. They were flying over him. I, I don't know how you can predict. How can you predict that the midges or that's the what, bugs? That's what those weather nerds do. Those See, meteorologists. I think they call them midges. In Cle- we call them in southern Indiana dog Blank gnats. <laughs> are those the same? I think those similar. are the same thing, right? I think they're similar. Yeah. What do you got? It's a dog, you know, gnat. So, yeah. Same thing, kind of? Uh, yeah. I don't want to get fired, John. Um, well, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I know you got the, the uh, Colts happy hour coming up, so I'm going to give you my pick. Okay. I do love the under. Uh, I gave I gave the under last last Thursday. Yeah. That game was so far under. It could have gone to overtime, and both teams scored 
field goals and the touchdown, and it yeah. still was going under. That's right. how under it was. Right. I like the under. I think the Colts find a way to win something like 19-17, 17-16, something. I said 27. Something right. putrid, but, it, but take the win. See, I, I was, I was kind of looking for more of an oddballish number to go with. Like you mentioned, 19-17's oddballish, but, I, I, you know. You start throwing field goals in yeah. there instead of touchdowns. Right, you do. T- teams that kick field goals and not touchdowns, that's how you get to those 16s and 19s. And I think that's what we'll see from the Colts. And they'll just they'll have just enough. But let me tell you what, if they lose this game, I'm done picking the Colts. I'll, I won't pick them the rest of the season. Even if they're playing Cathedral High School, I'm not going to pick the Colts to win. Senate Grove, by the way, is playing Cathedral High School later on tonight. That'll be a good one. Senate Grove, yes, it will be a good one. Jonathan Taylor, questionable today on the injury report going into the weekend. Do you expect him to play? I expect him to play. And it all starts that. You get the running game going, you can get some things going, the play action that Matt Ryan likes to do. But it all starts It starts with the line that gets the running game going, that gets the passing game going. So as we talked about ad nauseum earlier, the line's got to figure itself out. The last time that these two teams played was in Jacksonville in week two, 24-0, Jaguars over the Colts. Colts were without both Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce. Because you have them both back, is there any significance in that? Oh, definitely. We've seen Pierce. I mean, he, this guy is a, a playmaker. You know, he's he led the Colts in receiving last week. He's had three straight games since coming back from the – he had a he had a rough start. He dropped a potential touchdown pass. He took the concussion, missed a game, and he's come back and been productive since then. Confidence grows with him. And confidence from the quarterback grows with going to him in big situations. And then we've seen what Pittman can do. So, yeah, that, that that's going to open up some more things for the offense. I think this Col- the Colts will not get shut out. I think they'll score enough to win. And then I think that sets you on the path to maybe getting back in control of this AFC South. All right, we got more to come for you. Colts happy hour is on the other side. Are you a Jaguars guy, are you? <laughs> He's from the Duval. <laughs> what the hell is that? Is that the county? County. What the hell are you yelling about the county for down there? Just do some Skinner. I'll play some Skinner before you come. <laughs> I'm going to start giving away tickets. I got four pair to give away, courtesy of Bud Light here at Average Joe's in Broad Ripple. We'll do that as we get into Colts Happy Hour. Hank is going to hang. My man Cam's going to be here. Olivia's here and Kyle back in the studio. We'll take a break and come back for Colts Happy Hour. Get you updated on some of these baseball games ongoing, including Atlanta and Philly. Game three of that NLDS best of five coming up on the other side with 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, hang on. 